Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this sermon from Hope Church here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I pray that the preaching and teaching of this ministry has built your faith in Christ, inspired you to abide in him, and equipped you as a Jesus follower, no matter where you're tuning in from. If you would say that you have benefited from the ministry here at Hope, we would love to invite you to partner with us by joining in our year-end offering we call Hope for the World. Our goal is to raise $300,000 that will go towards meeting specific needs in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. So if you've enjoyed the blessings of this video or podcast resource, would you prayerfully consider making a gift to this Hope for the World offering? If it's on your heart to do so and the Spirit is leading you, you can go to hopechurchlv.com give for the details about the specific needs we are seeking to meet through this offering. Thanks in advance for your generosity. Now, let's jump into our December sermon series, The Weary World Rejoices. Amen. Well, good morning, Hope Church family. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We got a lot of work to do before we get to 2 Corinthians, but I promise we will get there. I hope you see it. I hope you feel it. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and I love it. I don't know if there's any Scrooges in the place today, but we are here, and I'm so, so grateful that we are here. My family and I are unashamedly all the way in, just full transparency. I believe the Christmas season begins as soon as you take your Halloween costume off, okay? I'm that guy. November 1st, I do not wait to decorate the inside and outside of my house on, for Thanksgiving weekend. We do it on Veterans Day weekend, which is the second weekend of November, yes, if you were to drive past my house on November 12th, my Christmas lights are up, my inflatables are inflated, I am ready to welcome all the haters that say it's too early. Bah humbug, okay? If you think that, it is never too early. I love Christmas. I hope you love Christmas. One of the things I love specifically about Christmas, and I know a lot of people get annoyed, is the Christmas songs. Now, just there are some goofy Christmas songs, okay? I'm not saying all the Christmas songs, but there's a lot of amazing Christmas songs. Specifically, I want you to maybe clue in a little more this season. The Christian Christmas songs are so incredible. I mean, like there's some of the best rich theology in hymns ever written. And we only listen to them once a month or once a year for one month. Uh, they're incredible songs. And, and I love the, the Christmas songs that we all enjoy, specifically the ones that point to the reality of what Christmas is. In case you don't know, Christmas very clearly is what 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That is the story of Christmas in just a few words from the word of God. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. One of my favorite Christmas songs is the classic, O Holy Night. It's actually written in 1863, and it was a poem. And then four years later, a composer named Adolphe Adam put it to the music that we all know and love. O Holy Night. I want to actually put it on the screen here. We're going we're gonna to see these incredibly helpful words that talk about the night of Christ's birth. It says, O Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. I know all of you want to just join in. Long lay the world. I'm not going to do that. Okay, I'm not going to do that. It's hard. 
Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared. Listen to this. And the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Hear the angel voices. O night divine, O night when Christ was born. I want to spend some time talking about that highlighted lyric. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. A couple months ago, as I was praying through, thinking through what we would lead our church through for this Christmas season, that lyric came to mind. And I thought, I don't know if there's a, a lyric that's more relevant to where we're living right now and the hope that we need right now in our world. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Listen, the world was weary when Christ was born into it. That's why he came. But the world was also weary in 1864 when this, these words were penned. And oh, how weary our world still is now that we need a thrill of hope. Weary world rejoices. Weary is not a word I use much. Maybe you do. Just so we're all on the same page, I want to define it for us. Weary simply means to be physically or mentally tired. Having, having one patience worn out. As I think about our world today, that's a good description of the world we live in. Weary. We live in a weary world, a world that is weary from war happening right now in the Middle East, happening right now in Ukraine. Let's be honest, happening in many of our living rooms every single week. There's war, and for sure there's some happening in my heart and your heart every single day, and it's making us weary. We live in a world weary from the political landscape that's already raging as we head into 2024, another election cycle that I know we're all really excited about. <laughs> Not, we just got to be ready for it. There's going to be things said to you and things said to me. And if we're not careful, we're eating it all up. They're actually going to make you look at the people sitting next to you as your enemy. It's what we're being fed and it's making us weary. And we haven't even got to the year of the election yet. A world weary from the everyday battles we all face personally, relationally, health-wise, maybe even spiritually today. People are tired. Many are lacking perseverance. Patience is gone, and we're longing for better. A weary world. And guess what? The ironic part is we now just entered into this season where everything is holly and jolly. We're now given all the remedies to fix our weariness. Let's be honest. Everything you're going to see this month is basically saying we have hope for you. For the low price of $19.99, we can get all your problems fixed. And listen, we laugh, but you like me, I swear, I got 7 million emails this week from Black Friday to Cyber Monday to Small Business Saturday. The amount of influx of emails I got this week, they may not have said this on the subject line, but they basically all were saying, this is hope for your weariness. But if we're honest, we know at our heart level, it's not going to work. My pastoral burden is born really out of my own struggles with this. Every single year we come and go to this season 
and we're let down. But we enter into this season with our hopes high that it's going to work. There's going to be something given to us under a tree or some experience with our family that will finally work. And really, I believe the season that we're caught up in right now for the next 22 days is an attempt to escape reality. Let me just press in on this for just a minute. Think about it. No matter how weary your marriage is, no matter how hard the parenting journey is, no matter how empty the bank account is or how hard the health struggle is, the lie of cultural Christmas is if we just put some carols on, if we deck the halls, if we light the tree and we put some cookies in the oven, everything will be just fine. And then we get to January and realize we're the same people. The weary world is still weary. It just looks a little better in December and sounds a little brighter because the Christmas season cannot fix us. And yet this is the thrill of hope that we are offered by the world. That new iPhone 15 Pro with titanium. Anybody else got a, a teenager in their house right now saying, if I could just have an iPhone, I'll never ask for anything else. Now, okay, I've been here before. We think the hope of that thing under the tree will just fix it. It'll, it'll satisfy this longing. We are, some of us right now are hoping for the romance in those Hallmark movies that we're on repeat watching. We're hoping that that's just gonna magically show up in our living room because it's Christmas. We're hoping that something under the tree or someone under the mistletoe will fix what's broken in us. And listen, it won't. And I'm sorry to be the guy today that's discouraging you, but we have some hope today that is an encouragement that I hope you leave with. There really is a hope to be had around this season, and it has nothing to do with the cultural Christmas season. It has everything to do with what we read earlier in 1 Timothy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The reason I'm drilling in on this as we begin this series and in this month is because as Christians, we are not immune to buying into all this. We may say with our lips, Jesus is the reason for the season. And that's true. But sometimes if we're honest, what we say with our lips doesn't match what we live with our lives. And we got caught up in the same cultural lies as everybody else. And we're let down every single December 26th. So what do we do? What do we do? I believe we reorient our hearts around the things that we can rejoice in around this season. It's the hope that we have in Jesus, the, the peace that we have in Jesus, the, the love that we have in Jesus, the joy that we have in Jesus. So that's what we're gonna do for the next month as a church, leaning into these realities that we can rejoice in. And today, specifically, we're gonna talk about the thrill of true hope. Before we go on, we have to define what is hope. See, that's a word you may hear a lot in this culture. I've already said it several times. What is hope? I'm going to put that on screen. There it is right there. What is this word that we all say? What is this thing? Because the Bible and the world around us have very different definitions of hope. Normally, when we use the word hope, we actually talk about it like a wish or a desire. We say something like it's uncertain. What do I mean by that? Let's take a toddler. 
say a toddler were to say, I hope daddy gets home early today so I can play with daddy. I really hope he gets home early. What is that toddler saying? Based on uncertainty, they're saying, I don't know if it will happen, but I sure hope it does. I desire for it to happen. Maybe you traveled this Thanksgiving holiday. And on your travels, you got some delays like we all do when you're flying and, and you're doing the airports and the whole thing. And, and maybe in the air, you thought, man, I really hope we make up some time in the, in the air so that we make our connecting flight in Denver because I'm not trying to spend Thanksgiving in Denver. I hope the pilot can go faster. What are you saying? I have no control. I have no, I have no idea if it's going to happen, but I desire it to or I hope I get that thing under the tree that I've asked for. Listen, I've made my list. I hope Santa Claus has checked it twice. And I hope, what are we saying? I don't know. I desire it. I'm wishing for it. But at the end of the day, what I'm hoping for is based on uncertainty. Listen to me, church family. That is not biblical hope. Biblical hope, look at it, is confident expectation of a guaranteed result. Confident expect, this isn't a wish, this isn't a desire. Biblical hope not only desires for something good, listen to this, it expects it. It's confidently expecting a guaranteed result. Listen, this is so good if we get this. For the Jesus follower, I'm not just placing my hopes and wishes on my good feelings. No, my hope is not in my good feelings, but in God's faithfulness. My hope is in what he's already done that should give me present hope, should give me present expectation that's confident because of what he has done and who he is. It's never based on good feelings because let's be honest, some feelings aren't good. Some of you right now are walking through the first Christmas without that loved one in your life. Walking through the first Christmas with disease riddling your body, the first Christmas where you lost your job a month ago. If we base this thing on good feelings, we are sunk. But we don't base it on good feelings. We base it on God's faithfulness. And these are the things right here that we can bank on. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I want you to see as we read this verse. You're like, I thought it was 2 Corinthians. We're going to get there, I promise. I'm still in my introduction, okay? <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is so good. Look out. This is all on God's faithfulness. Nothing with us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living, what's that word? Hope. A living hope. A living hope. Why are we so confident? Because of the next words. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, Jesus follower, because Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. He said in the garden he would take care of our sin. He came and died on the cross for all of our sin, paid our penalty. Three days later, rose again to prove that what he said was going to happen, happened. And so I know it's Christmas time, but every day is Easter for the Christian. Because every day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that gives us hope. That gives us a confident expectation. Look at what God's already done. So when he says he's gonna give me something, if he says he's gonna do something, I'm not looking at my feelings, I'm looking at his faithfulness and God's past faithfulness gives me present hope. So I say all that to start to ask, does anybody in here need hope today? Just imagine a room this size, 1030 service, tons of people in here. There's some people in here that need hope. I'm so grateful that you're here because we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. 
that if you're hopeless in any way, shape, or form, I pray you leave here today with some confident expectation of the guaranteed result that God is at work. So let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read three verses today, verses 16 to 18. Here is God's word. Hopefully you have your Bible with you. The Bible says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Every time we jump into a passage of scripture like this, I want to remind you we're parachuting into a context, into a letter here. We got to under, understand what's going on here. So what's happening in 2 Corinthians? Well, 2 Corinthians is a letter from Paul the Apostle that he wrote to a church in the city of Corinth. By this time, if you don't know much about Paul, he's been following Jesus for quite a while. Suffered a lot of persecution for the sake of following Jesus. He's planted a bunch of churches. He's written letters to those churches that we now know most of our New Testament are those letters. And he goes and visits some of them as well. And he's writing this to a group of Christians who are getting persecuted left and right. To be a Christian in the first century was hard sledding. They're being persecuted at the same time. They're seeing Jesus do incredible things in their midst. People are meeting Jesus and starting to follow him and churches are starting, but there's this incredible persecution. So that's the context for what Paul is saying when he says in verse 16, so we do not lose heart. I hope you're ready to roll up your sleeves and get into some Bible study because we're gonna tear this apart for a little bit right now because to understand it and to walk out of here with that hope, that confident expectation, we gotta understand what's going on underneath the words of this passage Paul says, so we do not lose heart. Another way that word is translated is therefore. So and therefore, when you read those in the Bible, these are terms of conclusion. What that means is it's pointing back to something that was just said, and they're concluding that thought. Paul just started our text by saying so, and then concluding that thought. Anytime you're reading the Bible, church, always see so and therefore, not as something to just keep going. No, 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 stop. And go back to see what was just said so you can understand what the writer is trying to conclude. So what are we trying to conclude here? Let's look. Let's go back a few verses. Look at your Bible. Verses 13 to 15. Paul says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise with us. What? Praise the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is, for, it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. I do not know why I had such a hard time reading that. It's the third service. But if I had a hard time reading it, maybe you had a hard time understanding it. Let me be honest. I did. <laughs> the first time I read that, I'm like, so what is he saying? <laughs> So I had, to un I had to continue to read it. Always remember as you're reading the Bible, if you don't get something, don't just move on. Just keep reading it, and the Spirit of God might speak to you. So what is Paul saying here? You can go back and study it later, but Paul is basically saying, hey, Corinthians, Jesus has saved you, and one day you will be in his presence, but he's not done with you yet. He's still using you. He has saved you, and now he's using you to save others. 
And so in amidst the persecution, you should be grateful because God is getting glory. This should, this should encourage you. So then he says the next verse, verse 16. So because of that, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. How I wanna unpack this is I wanna see that Paul gives us here two reasons why we do not lose heart. Another way to say it is two reasons you and I should have incredible hope today. Why do we not lose heart? Why do we have hope? Here's the first reason. Because of what we're experiencing now internally. That's what he says in verse 16. We don't lose heart. Even though right now our outer self, our body is wasting away, our inner self, the real us is being renewed day by day. That term wasting away, in the original language, it means being destroyed or decaying. I'm looking around the room and I can imagine we're feeling that all, we're all feeling that to some level, some of us more than others. But this outer body, this the shell of our body is, is decaying, it's getting worse. Maybe right now you feel like it's being destroyed by sickness or disease, or maybe slowly but surely, we're getting older and older and older and we are seeing the effects of the decaying body. Just an encouragement for you. We should take care of our bodies. Yes, we should be good stewards, but at the end of the day, no matter how much you work out or how much spinach you eat, you are decaying. You are getting older. That's what he's saying here. That's happening to all of us, whether we like it or not, but something else is happening. What's going on inside, the inner man is being renewed. This is such a good thing for us is being renewed is in the present tense. It's a present tense verb. What does that mean? It means it's ongoing and continuous. Praise God. He didn't just say it's done. It's a process that I'm in right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is something happening in you. It is a process where you are being renewed continuously day by day. It's a present tense verb, but it's also in the passive voice. And this is where I get really, really excited. What does that mean? The passive voice means I am not the active agent in my renewing. There is something outside of me or rather someone inside of me that is doing the renewing. I'm a participant for sure, but I'm not the active participant. I'm not the active agent. Somebody outside of me or inside of me is making me new day by day. And for the follower of Jesus, I don't know what could give you more hope than to know that the spirit of God is in you, no matter what the outside looks like, no matter what the circumstance, there's a spirit in you that is changing you from the inside out through a process of sanctification, you are being made every single day what you are currently not. So you might not feel it and it might not look like it on the outside, but if you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God is changing you day by day. Every single Christian should have a sign over their life that says work in progress because <laughs> we are all a work in progress. Praise God, because I got some stuff that still needs to be worked out of me. You probably do too. And praise God, I'm not the active agent in this because I'll run out of gas and I won't be able to do it. But God just gave us some hope, church. It said, there is something going on inside of you that I am doing that should renew your strength and give you hope so you do not lose heart. These are things you underline in your Bible, church. Paul is saying, don't be discouraged, follower of Jesus. 
No matter what it looks like on the outside, no matter the persecution or the hardship or the disease or the financial troubles or whatever it might be in this weary world, the outside is only a picture, but the inside is the truth. And what he's doing in you is so much greater than what is happening on the outside. He is at work. Sanctification is a process that we get to see over a lifetime on the long journey home to heaven. And that should give us hope. The old Puritan John Flavel said it this way. He asked the rhetorical question, did Christ finish his work for us? The answer is yes. Then there can be no doubt that he will also finish his work in us. Listen, this should give us hope, church family. No matter what we see, this isn't wishful thinking. This isn't desiring this is confident expectation of a guaranteed result of God at work in our lives. That's the first reason Paul gives why we don't lose heart or why we should have hope because of what we're experiencing now internally. But there's a second reason, because of what we will experience eternally. Look at verse 17. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Light, momentary. I want you to try to put yourself in the Corinthian shoes for just a minute, and maybe, maybe I'm just a little cynical, but I'm thinking, well, maybe they're a little offended by that. <laughs> Thanks for the letter, Paul, but you don't know what's going on around here right now. You don't know what happened to my buddy at the synagogue last Saturday. You don't know what I'm walking through in my family. Light and momentary. Imagine you sharing with your friend all the struggles that you're walking through, and that friend looks at you and says, yeah, but that's, that's light and momentary. That's a little offensive. What, what, what do you mean, Paul? Why would you say that? Well, to understand why he would say that, you gotta understand a little bit more about Paul the apostle. See, the man writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is not a kindergartner in the school of suffering. This is a man who has a advanced graduate degree in the school of what it means to suffer in this weary world. In fact, later on in this very letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can go back and read it later, but I'll give you the cliff notes. He, he outlines what it looks like to have suffered for Jesus as a, as a graduate level sufferer in the school of suffering. Here it says, he says, I've been imprisoned, I've been beaten, I've been stoned. And listen, I just gotta say, this is 2023. That means he's had rocks thrown at him, okay? That's what that means, <laughs> not something else. That'll hit some of you at lunch, but I remember when I first started reading the Bible, I was like, I don't get that, that's weird. That's what that means. Shipwrecked, robbed, perils of various kinds, exhausted, sleepless, hungry, thirsty, suffered in cold and nakedness. This man has been through it. Oh, and by the way, he finally got to the city that he wanted to go to for his entire ministry, the city of Rome. And as soon as he got there, he was persecuted, thrown into prison and killed for his faith. This is the man that says, hey church, this is light and momentary. This affliction that you're walking through, it's actually preparation for something. 
Paul is saying this suffering is preparing you for what is coming in your future. This should be our future hope for every follower of Jesus, eternity with God. The fact that, that the King of kings and Lord of lords is preparing us for spending forever with him. Everything else pales in comparison to what is coming in the future for the follower of Jesus. And this should give us incredible hope no matter what hard you have in your life right now. Think about whatever you would say, this is hard. This is a suffering moment. This is a season that I wish I didn't have to go through. Do you place on top of that what you have in Christ in your future? What if you looked at these things not as punishment from God, but as preparation from God? Listen, in order for a plant to bear fruit, you first have to take a seed and put it in the ground. Seeds never grow when you keep them in the sunlight and have them bask in all the, all the glory. No, you first put them in the soil, in the dirt, in the darkness, and only then can they produce the fruit that they were meant to produce. Listen, what if God is doing something under the soil of your life right now, preparing you for what he has for you? Yes, in eternity, but even in the future of your life now as he renews you day by day. What if the pain is preparing you? And we started looking at it like that. I love how C.S. Lewis said it. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. And what is he preparing for? Verse 17 tells us, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. It's as if Paul says, hey, Corinthian Christians, hey, 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 follower of Jesus at Hope Church, I want you to get the scale out. I want you to put on one scale, on one side, all of the hurt, all of the suffering, all of the sin, all the disease, all the things that you're walking through right now. But you're a follower of Jesus. You've been justified by his grace through faith. Because you're a follower of Jesus, he's at work in you and he's given you a future grace and a future glory. So make sure you put that eternal glory on the other side. And I promise you, as soon as you do, the scale will be outweighed because the eternal hope of glory is so much bigger than what you see with the light and momentary affliction. There really is hope to be had no matter what the situation looks like. And that would, should make us rejoice that should make us have a confident expectation. That's why he says in verse 18, we look not to the things that are seen. How many know that you can look to the things that are seen and become very hopeless? Just scroll Instagram for a minute. <laughs> if I'm looking at the things that are seen, I'm not getting hope. But if I look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, I get hope for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is a future grace, a future hope that we can leave here rejoicing is it's all not what you see with your eyes, Hope Church. And as followers of Jesus, we have to constantly remind ourselves of that. So here's the million dollar question. How does all that apply to this season we're walking in right now? Why did I start this series with this message about hope, not losing heart? I'm so passionate about this because all month long, you and I are going to be sold thousands of false hopes and none of them can give you what they're offering to give you. 
And this is why there's such good news for the follower of Jesus. And we should walk out of here confident in expectation because of the guaranteed result of what we have in Christ. Because it has been written and we already read it and we should celebrate in it. The fact that we can leave here with hope is because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's not what we're hoping for. That has already happened. And some of us, praise God, have been bought by that blood and redeemed because we placed our faith in Jesus. And some of you are here today and you need to do that. You need to see that he's already done everything needed for salvation. And today's the day you place your faith in Jesus because he's the only one that can actually give you what he's offering to give you in your hopes. This is why we celebrate at Christmas that he has come. He's coming again. And while we wait for him to come again, He's renewing us. He's at work in us. So I want to end with asking us two questions that probably aren't questions you can just answer in this moment. Questions that you probably need to take out of here and this week wrestle with the Lord if you'd be so bold. It helps us refocus and recenter in this Christmas season. Here's the first one. What have you placed your hope in? I'm not just talking to people that don't know Jesus here, Christians. Because if you're anything like me, you can know the truth that Jesus is the reason for the season. But you start to look to other things to fill those desires in you. You start expecting things to fulfill your longings and satisfy you in ways that only God can. So we have to ask this question of ourselves at a heart level. What right now are you placing your hope in? You're expecting to be satisfied by Here's the second question that is very important to answer. Can what you've placed your hope in hold the weight of your expectations? Whatever you'd fill in the blank of question one, can whatever that is hold the weight of your expectations? You're expecting that thing to satisfy you. Can that thing hold that kind of weight. And I know that's deep, but these are the things we must wrestle with if we're not going to get caught up in the same lies as everybody else this season. Because if you and I place our hope in something that cannot hold the weight of our expectations, we will be crushed when it doesn't. And it will leave us cynical as it happens over and over and over again. And some of us, if we let that continue in our lives, we'll become completely hard-hearted to ever having real hope. That might be great for you, but I've tried that. That doesn't work for me. No, you've tried false hopes, and false hopes give you false joy that will never satisfy you because it was never meant to. But we have a Savior who gives us full joy, who can hold the weight of our expectations. So today the call is to, to remind ourselves, to reorient our hearts, even in the midst of the Christmas craziness, to place our hope the only thing that can truly hold the weight of our expectations. And listen, I'm not just talking about bad things. We can place our hope in incredible good things that still can't satisfy what I'm expecting them to satisfy. And I'll crush them. I'll give you some examples from my own life. My wife, she was in the last service. I embarrassed her a little bit. It was fun. <laughs> my wife's amazing. I could go on and on and on about Candace Worthington. We've been dating for 20 years. We've been married for 15. She's my best friend. She's an incredible wife. She's an incredible mother, but she's a terrible, terrible God if I place that on her. If I expect her to fulfill me and to satisfy me in all the ways only God can, listen, church, I will crush her. 
my kids, I got four incredible blessings. Parents, you guys got kids. I love my kids. They're such gifts from God. But if I put on my kids that we sometimes have a tendency to do, parents, if I place on my kids all these expectations that they can never satisfy, I will crush them. My church family, I love this place. It is such a joy to be your pastor. I absolutely love our fellowship. But if I, if I put my expectation on you to fulfill me and my ministry calling, to make me feel like I'm doing a good job or whatever, I'll be up here like a clown every week trying to impress you and I will crush you. And listen, if you put expectation on me and this pastoral team to fulfill in you something only God can, listen, you will crush us. See, these are all good things, but they're not God things. They're not things that can actually hold the weight of our expectations. And listen, anything under the tree in 22 days, if you're expecting that to give you something only God can, you will be crushed. And your joy that was really false joy will get packed up with all of the Christmas decorations and we'll try again next year. And some of you have been caught up in that cycle for decades. Can I give you some discouragement as we enter December? <laughs> this is gonna hurt because some of you are about to go spend a bunch of money and I'm about to go spend a bunch of money in the next 22 days. Listen, everything you give and everything you get this Christmas season will end up in somebody else's hands or in the trash. Sorry. <laughs> Think about it. Everything you buy and everything you get will end up being somebody else's or end up in the trash can. And yet we put all of our hope, all of our expectation. You know how it is. I've sat there at the Christmas tree on Christmas day and you're drinking your coffee and the kids have just torn apart everything and you're going, is that it? <laughs> what is this? This is misplaced longing that something can hold the weight of your expectations that can't, but there's good news. There is someone who can hold the weight of your expectations. There is someone that you can have confident expectation in of a guaranteed result because he's already done what he said and he's gonna do what he said he was gonna do. We're just hoping and waiting for it. Not hoping, desiring and wishing, hoping that we know because of who he is. And it's the same one who said Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We place our hope in that God who is able to hold the weight. And listen, we can't see it now, which is why Paul said, we don't put our hope in things we can see. We don't put our, our, our wish and our desire. No, we put our hope in what is eternal. So whether he comes back to get us first or our body so decays to where we see him in glory when we die, we will see face to face with right now what we only know by faith. But we're hoping for it confidently. That's why the old preacher Adrian Rogers said this, hope is faith in the future tense. This is confident expectation of a guaranteed result. And we need that to orient our hearts around what's true this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word. We ask you to move in this place, this service, and I believe you have. Pray right now as we respond for just a moment, you would just continue to let our hearts be sensitive to whatever it is you have for us. I hope you leave this place, church, understanding the thrill of true hope is the gospel of Jesus, the finished work of Christ. There is hope 
and his name is Jesus. So whatever it is this season that yells at you to give your heart and life to as a way to fulfill your longings, just know it never will. Only Jesus can. And praise God, he's made himself available to us in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and through the course of the message, you've realized that you have lost heart. I wonder if you've lost heart because you're looking just at what's in front of you and not remembering eternity. May that be an encouragement for you today. Whenever you start to lose heart at what you can see, remember there's a whole lot more that you can't see that you should really trust in and lean into. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus who's realized you've placed your hope in some things that can never hold the weight of your expectations. A simple step for you is to surrender. Maybe here at the altar in just a moment when we stand to sing, maybe there at your seat, just open hands, open heart. God, I know that I am placing my expectations on things that can never hold them. Draw me back to you. Help me see that only you can fulfill that. I don't know what the Spirit might be leading you to as a follower of Jesus, but whatever it is, this is a moment as we stand to sing where we respond to the Spirit in obedience. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope not only today, but all throughout this month, you hear how good and gracious and loving our God is. That he literally came down to give his life to save you, to bring you back to a relationship with him, a friendship with God. Some of you right now are chasing all these false hopes, wondering, is this it? It's not it. Maybe today you were just here to hear the message that Jesus loves you, desires to have a friendship relationship with you. In just a moment, we'll have some people down here. If you want to talk to somebody about what it means to follow Jesus, I encourage you, man, come down. Let us, let us walk with you. That's what we're here for. However the Lord wants to lead in all of our lives, I pray we'd listen. We're going to stand and sing, and then we're going to come back. And just like we shared earlier, we got some family business to take care of. I want to share some things with you going into next year, just for a few minutes. I hope you stay. But God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've done in this place. We love you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't we stand and let's respond as God leads.